Welcome to the Sunday, the first Sunday without NFL football, BFF forecast. So it's going to be a little bit of a different vibe. Um, we've got uh, Brad and Arjun here, and we are going to talk a little bit about free agency, the draft, and what we bet when there are no NFL games. That will include, as promised, some XFL talk. I'm going to try and keep it to a minimum, um, but I've heard rumor that uh, we're still making plays here. So it's going to be a good podcast. Let's rock. It's uh, 3.54 uh, p.m. Pacific time. We're about 36 minutes away from the NBA All-Star Draft. I am. I can't wait to watch this because I, I think it's going to be such a joke. The first part of this, which is hilarious, is they refuse to let someone get drafted last. So they're picking reserves like beforehand. And then before the game starts, they're going to pick the starters like out there on the court. I'm, I'm guessing is my assumption or I don't know if you guys are following this at all, but I'm concerned. I'm con- confused. Not concerned is the wrong word. I'm confused. Are they going to go and like s- split up the locker rooms after? Cause they're already in the locker rooms. They have like East and West. Like, how does that work? I'm so interested in this. It's taking things to an extreme to avoid hurting a millionaire's feelings. Who's already an all-star to begin with. Uh, but no, I think my understanding is that they're still drafting, uh, the teams in the normal fashion for the starters. Like you said, it's just before that they're figuring out the backups. Um, but yeah, just, just an all time uh, unnecessary move, uh, you know, just to avoid that the kid getting picked last in gym class scenario. Sorry, you got to judge. Are they going to split up the locker room? So do you see what I'm saying? Like they've already recorded all this footage. They've got LeBron walking into the West locker room, dapping everybody up, gave Lori Markin in a big hug. Like they've been brothers <laughs> forever, you know, classic. He was reading some sort of book on his way in as well. Um, like what happens after the draft? They just go, okay, go get your shit and move it to a different locker room. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one. I don't I don't really understand. I mean, these these players like they already understand it's a business and like the real world. I don't know why like an all star weekend would be any different than like if they got traded like during the middle of the season. So I'm I'm not too sure why, you know, they, they had to go to this extreme to to go through the game. And the most should... the most important reality is Luka Doncic had the quote of the week when they said, what's your favorite part about All-Star Weekend? He said, getting on the flight to Mexico after the game, uh, which is how all every single one yes. of them feel. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, Dallas Maverick fans are freaking out because I think he's going to gain like a bunch of weight <laughs> here in Mexico, which he probably could happen. Be. Could happen. Um, yeah. I uh, do. You guys have any bets? That, we're going to talk about this at the end of the podcast, but because the All Star Game will probably start um, uh, before people listen to this, uh, do you guys have any bets that you're placing on this game? So the total is at 324 right now. And the interesting thing for me is Giannis. I actually was at the Bulls-Bucks game on Thursday. Giannis got hurt and left. So I don't think he plays in this game. Mm-hmm. And for me, he's like an overkiller in these, in these all-star games because he can't really shoot. And he'll probably play some defense, for, you know, unlike anybody else. So I kind of like the over because I don't think Giannis is going to play all that much. Yeah, that's not a bad call. Is, uh, is Steph's not playing in this game, though, right? Yeah, that that hurts having a, a great shooter. 
Uh, it doesn't help. Okay. Uh, the first thing that we're going to tackle here today is a little free agency talk. So um, luckily we have the foremost uh, wizard of free agency here with us, Brad Spielberger. If you have not gotten into free agency mode yet and you're trying to go to pff.com, check out the free agency rankings. They have a salary cap projection, uh, sorry, a, a contract projection for every player. Um, and they are meticulously ranked and detailed by Brad himself. I, I can't, you know, divulge any names, but I can tell you that NFL teams just have these up uh, consistently and uh, track them <laughs> with a lot of faith. Um, so if if they're wildly off, Brad gets a phone call. Um, and uh, so you probably want to check them out as well. Any news before we kind of get into our takes on this, Brad, are there any sort of tidbits since the last time we talked around free agency that are worth noting? Yeah, I think the interesting thing I've heard, so you mentioned also very important people. These are not static numbers. The free agency rankings page gets updated as I hear things. Uh, like George said, if I get made fun of or, or yelled at or whatever you, whatever angle it can come in. Um, and, and I think it's also a process that's gotten better over the years of understanding uh, you know, how to take in that information. But the main feedback that I've heard that I find interesting is, look, in years past, I do these rankings. The top 10 is full of all these names. And then all the guys get franchise tagged. Uh, the, uh, the consistent theme has been a lot of those guys will not get tagged. They'll actually hit free agency. Um, but also a lot of more good players are going to be cap casualties. It seems like across mm -hmm. the NFL, which has some teams at bay kind of waiting to see who's going to hit the market. I know Keenan Allen, you know, Arjun's got Keenan Allen's been floated a bunch. Um, I think some running backs, we saw Aaron Jones take a pay cut already. So does Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, are they going to say yes to a pay cut? If not, are they going to get cut? Um, there's still a lot going on, even you know that that's not even on the list yet. Um, and the last piece, Derek Carr has a ton of suitors, uh, you know, kind of under the radar, a couple of visits already. One interesting thing I, I heard more of a speculative thing, but if he, if he goes to Washington, does that maybe make the commanders not franchise tag Deron Payne? Um, you know, no guarantee that's the case. But if he goes there and they don't want to spend all that money, especially with an ownership change, um, that could make him. I think he'd be the number one free agent on the entire market. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Okay, Arjun, we'll start with you. Um, what's the uh, what's the like free agency name slash team connection that you feel best about right now? Yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry. Me and Brad, I think we're gonna have a, an article out probably this week. Um, so I've been working on doing some. Of predictions on my end and one that i really like that's kind of like a random one but i i think the connections there the history is there marcus davenport to the kansas city chiefs um you know brett beach loves to take shots on former first round picks who didn't really pan out the way that they did right deandre baker uh, i think he signed john ross at one point and i think davenport falls into this category as well um you know the chiefs pass rush has always been a need for them. And even though they kind of addressed it with Carl Loftus last in, in the 2022 draft, I think they could still use another body. And, you know, Frank Clark could be a cap casualty. We don't, you know, know there. So they could replace him. And uh, Davenport's uh, cap charge in 2023 is going to be at least like $16 million less than what Clark's is going to be. So you get a much cheaper player with probably a little bit more upside. I don't know about in the playoffs, but at least in the regular season, you'll be more of a steady contributor. And Davenport has put together some good years. And obviously with the Saints cap situation, I don't really see a way for Davenport to go back to New Orleans. So I, I really like Davenport to the Chiefs, and I could see that happening. Does that mean that Orlando Brown is looking for a is looking for a new home? I mean, personally, I think so. 
I, it's it's tricky because when you're coming off a Super Bowl win, you're, the kind of mantra is like you're gonna bring back all the guys over yeah, yeah. that that ride. But I think there is a chance that because of how good Mahomes is in the pocket, they don't really feel the need to pay Orlando Brown. And onto the fact that they've already paid Joe Tooney top of the market money. I don't know if they want to pay another offensive lineman top of the market money. And I think I've heard some talk that Tooney could move out to left tackle because he has played some spot starts there in the past. And if he does, 16 million for a pretty good left tackle is is a steal. So um, I think that's a possibility. But yeah, I don't, I personally don't think Orlando Brown is coming back. And I don't think he had that great of a season to warrant him coming back, even though I think his uh, postseason stats were pretty good i think his regular season stats were not as great to warrant a 20 million 20 million plus dollar deal yeah that i was looking through my prep for this just to full transparency was reading brad's analysis and looking at his rankings um and one thing that stuck out to me was exactly what you said brad there's a lot of guys on this list who you go they're not going back to that team again you know, like you look at Levante David, Jamel Dean, it's like, well, they ain't going back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's no reason for them to go back there. De'Ron Payne was another good example, but Orlando Brown sticks out to me. If there's anything that we've learned about the Kansas City Chiefs, it's that it is Mahomes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 in terms of what matters for that team. And at 11 is just don't have a catastrophically bad offensive line. I mean, that is what we have learned this year, right? It doesn't matter if they have Tyreek Hill. It doesn't matter if they replace him with freaking Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Kadarius Toney. And we all went into that Super Bowl going, oh man, they've got some weaknesses on on the outside, Orlando Brown being one of those guys. And it, it just really didn't matter because they're average. And why would you pay Orlando Brown buco bucks when he's just, you know, pretty average. Um, the other thing that I think is useful about the free agency rankings, by the way, is you can see how the players have graded and what their war has been over the, the last three seasons. Orlando Brown has been supremely average for the last three seasons. He's been 75.4, 75.4 each of the last two seasons in his PFF grade. And that puts him outside the top 10, really borderline like 15 uh, in terms of tackles. So why you would pay him, you know, 20 plus million a year, uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Here's my, here's my uh, prediction though. It is Jimmy G to the Jets. And here is the reason that I love this. They're, they already invested that second round, uh, second overall pick in Zach Wilson. I think there's a little bit of them that goes, kind of hope that something clicks and something happens and like he figures it out. But here's the other thing. If they don't, okay, they have all this talent why go in on a mediocre quarterback? Why not maybe stock up to be able to make a big move for a quarterback the next season, right? Try and get up in the draft or something like that. Um, and so I think Jimmy G fits that bill where you you have a little bit of you that thinks, man, Jimmy G is taking a team with a ton of talent to the Super Bowl. We have similar staff here, like, let's go for it. And then the other part is we're in the AFC. We're not winning a Super Bowl with Derek freaking Carr. So we're either going to have to, you know, hope that Jimmy G turns into a stud um, or go draft another quarterback. So I like that as a play for the Jets. Yep. So uh, Arjun, you mentioned the Chiefs and their, you know, cap flexibility. You know, Frank Clark, another good example of a potential cap casualty has a twenty and a half million dollar salary. The Chiefs are not paying that. Um, and I totally agree on the Orlando Brown thoughts that he might get franchise tag, but why would you pay him top of market when you know he, he was bad against the Bengals, frankly? Um, you know, he's good when the, he's good when the sod is uh you can't, you know, plant your foot as a pass rusher. That's when he that's when he excels. 
Um, but I'm going back the exact same well you mentioned with another often injured New Orleans Saints player. And I also just wanted to explain this situation and why he's on our free agent board. And that is wide receiver Michael Thomas also to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'll tell you this. He's Whoa. not, you know, yeah, yeah. There are some <laughs> legitimate off-field concerns with Michael Thomas. Nothing like legal or anything like that. But, you know, some locker room stuff. He's t- firing some tweets off that he then deletes a couple minutes later. <laughs> you know, I think he has, a, honestly, has a fair gripe with the medical staff in New Orleans. But whole I separate thing. But, um, yeah, that's happened like multiple times in the last two weeks. But but I will tell you this. First of all, who do, who who brings in players like that more than the Kansas City Chiefs? Nobody. Um, and secondly, why he's on there. Look, yes, he is technically under contract for next season, but the Saints and him agreed to a reworked deal where if he plays four games next year, they'd pay him a $31.775 million roster bonus. And if he's on the roster the third day of this league year, so March like 17th, they would owe him a fully guaranteed $32 million roster bonus for 2024. So there's like $65 million in money that kicks in in the first week or, you know, a month into the season. Um, So look, that's why he's on our free agent rankings. They can assign another new contract. Um, and I won't get into the weeds of, you know, all the whatever, but, but my guess is he is, he's going to be placed as a June one designated cut on the first day of this league year. And so that's why he's on there. And I think, look, Juju Smith Schuster signs a one year deal for $3.7 million right, right in that range ends up making 10.2 mil earned 6.5 in incentives this year. And 2 million of that was for the uh, playing in the conference championship and playing in the super bowl. If you want to sign a one year flyer, to get your career back on track and you are a wide receiver, there is literally one option where you can take incentives tied to playoffs and take incentives tied to yada, yada, yada. And it's not dumb. And it is the Kansas city chiefs. So I, I love that possibility. And I can just picture now, you know, the slant God himself with like a hundred catches next year and, and people going, why did that? Why did the league let Michael Thomas go to the chiefs? I, I can see it already. I, that one, you know, it was interesting when we talked about Keenan Allen at the top, I immediately thought Keenan Allen, if he is someone that is a cap casualty is the type of guy who will, I think, take a discount. It's like Richard Sherman. Remember when he, uh, when the Seahawks wouldn't pay him, he's like, all right, well then I'm going to the Niners and I'm going to take a deal. Right. It's such a similar thing. I would see him like going, okay, I'm going to the Raiders. I'm going to the chiefs like that. I mean, he would eat, in that uh in that offense sorry Arjun I know that's a, that's a tough <laughs> no it's all good all good uh, okay let's talk a little draft here so um the uh the way that I prepared for this segment was I did 25 uh mock draft sims on pff.com uh drafting for all top 10 teams uh and I had a couple of trends that I noticed myself doing a couple of times and that's how I'm gonna make my prediction for the player uh, and which team I think they will go to uh, in the top 10. But to set the table here, let me just go uh, give everyone uh, some of the odds that are out there. Um, so the number one overall pick, I think these have been pretty consistent. Um, Bryce Young is minus 150. CJ Stroud is three to one. Jalen Carter is plus 650. Will Anderson plus 750. Will Levis also plus 750. Uh, Anthony Richardson is 41. Um, the first quarterback drafted, these are on FanDuel. Uh, Bryce Young minus 210, CJ Stroud uh, plus 210. Uh, sorry, Bryce Young minus 200, CJ Stroud plus 210, Will Levis seven to one. Um, 
first wide receiver drafted. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Quentin Johnson, 6'4", uh, from TCU. Everyone else is generally pretty small. He's plus 160. Jordan Addison, plus 230. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 3-1. to one. Jalen Hyatt it, from Tennessee, plus 430. Zay Flowers, 23-1. to one. Um, the, Not a lot of draft props out there. Uh, as we talked about, um, sports books get killed by these. Um, the people that bet them generally know. Um, if you want to be in the know, by the way, you should join the uh, Printing Press Discord. Uh, we will definitely be dropping anything that we hear in there. Um, so with that said, let's start with you here, Brad. What is a uh, what is a top 10 pick player and team connection that you like? My favorite one right now is the Detroit Lions, who have both picked six and 18 in this draft. And I know people are you know, going quarterback. I think they're going to stick with golf for one more year, um, not assessing whether that's a smart decision or not. But <laughs> cornerback Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, mm-hmm. I think, is a slam dunk pick for them at sixth overall. He is our highest graded corner. You watch him. Look, I love Christian Gonzalez at Oregon, but he, he doesn't really tackle. Devin Witherspoon wants to take your head off every single snap. Um, and I think Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator of Detroit, needs a guy like him to come in, play opposite Jeffrey Akuda, fix that defense, and maybe get him a head coaching job um, You know, the following offseason. So I love that pick for Detroit. That's so funny because uh, that was one of the – I had a few options. I figured we might have some overlap, and that was one that I just kept mocking every single time. Like the first draft I did, I was sitting there at pick six going, all right, well, like – they should try and run it back with golf. And you're looking at Gonzalez or, or Witherspoon. Um, so love that one. Um, and as we get closer, by the way, these are things that we will be able to start to bet on, right? So you'll be able to get kind of over-unders for pick number for these players. There also are team, you know, t- uh, team to draft this player odds that come out as well. Um, so these are things that, that you can bet on. Uh, Arjun, what about you? Yeah, so one that I think has gained a little bit of steam, but I, I kind of really like it. Um, it's Tyree Wilson, who's the edge rusher from Texas Tech to go to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, mm. I, I think the Seattle Seahawks, like their D-line is is okay. I think they could really use a, a top guy at the top of the draft. Um, they have a Trenton Nwosu, who's, you know, a pretty solid edge rusher. He's you know, a starting guy, but he's not like a, he's not a true edge one. Their interior could use some work, but I really think getting an edge rusher to play it's really outside linebacker, but I think they differentiate between four, three and three, four, a lot in that defense. And I think, you know, he, he is a pretty, a pretty, it's a pretty uh, long wingspan. I think that's something that Seattle covets. That's something that like Uchenna Nwosu has. He's you know a little bit lighter on his feet, but again, that's something that I think Seattle does like um, and something that why they signed Uchenna Nwosu in free agency. And I think overall, just the, the Seahawks really need to improve their pass rush, especially since they did a good job kind of improving the offensive uh, line on the, uh, or the line on the offensive side of the ball and their secondary. And I think they're the last part to uh, building a complete roster is to get another edge rusher. So I think since Will Anderson will likely be off the board, the next best edge rusher per the PFF big board is uh, Tyree Wilson. And I think uh, the Seahawks are a good landing spot for him. Yeah. Tyree Wilson is a guy that I've heard a lot from kind of the people that just watch a ton of film who's just continually shot up, uh, Boards. And so I think that's a really good call. He's one of those guys where I'd be interested when the overrunners come out. Um, who mm-hmm. was a guy that was similar to this? Jalen Phillips. Um, yep. uh, that was a guy that I think Eric and I had a ridiculous position on by the time it got there. And and one of the ways that we sort of found that, and we'll talk to Evan Silva at some point here. Um, Evan does a tremendous amount of great work kind of just tracking in the know people. And he was guys like, everyone loves this guy. 
And I want to say his, his pick over under was like 34 and a half and went like what, 17 or something like that. So good opportunity here. I have a question for you guys um, before I, I divulge mine. Where do you guys think Anthony Richardson goes? I'll jump first. I legitimately think he's going to be a top 15 pick. Um, you think so? I don't know if it's via trade up or what, but you talk about taking a toolsy quarterback and all those things. I, I, his tools are ridiculous. And also this is obviously anecdotal, but as a Vanderbilt fan, you know, built program on the rise. You watch Will Levis and Anthony Richardson play the same team. Richardson objectively looked much better to me. So it made me go back and watch his tape. There are a lot of kind of head scratchers. He had a pick six in a big game against, uh, I forget who. And like, he came back, the rest of the game was rattled, but his arm is ridiculous. Like he can eat. So I think he's going to go top 20, top 15. Okay. Because one of the things that I kept mocking, and I was surprised by this was Anthony Richardson to the Panthers. And one of the reasons that now, look, I, I love, I think I thought Frank Reich uh, last year was a tier one NFL coach. So, uh, you know, I have a lot of belief. This is a different move, <laughs> certainly for him. Right. But um, it's interesting because obviously the Panthers with Cam Newton and you bring in a guy like Anthony Richardson, who is a physical freak, similar to the way that Cam Newton was, he can run the ball, he can throw it. Um, and I think people will kind of shy away from that because Frank Reich has had like 40 year old white guys that couldn't move <laughs> as his quarterbacks. So, yeah. um, you know, this feels, this feels super different, but to me is a cool fit. Here's the thing I'm most confident about in the top 10 guys. It's that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to trade down. <laughs> the thing I am most confident about is that the Eagles at 10 are not making that pick. Okay. Um, a lot of the time that I was doing these drafts, I was getting to 10, People that were still on the board, like Quentin Johnson was uh, Johnston was a guy that was on the board pretty consistently at pick number 10. Um, I could see a team that is in need of a tall wide receiver going, look, if we don't get him, we're not getting a tall wide receiver. These other guys are short. See them jumping up. But I just don't think that the Eagles are going to trade down here. But here's the one that I like most. It's the Arizona Cardinals drafting Will Anderson Jr. at number three. And I think this is a little, this is a guy that we haven't talked about. He was number one on so many big boards for such a long time, ridiculously good pass rusher. You look at where the Cardinals are at there at pick number three. They're obviously not taking a quarterback. Um, Jalen Carter seems to be a unique fit for the bears. I don't think he's like the greatest fit for every team. Um, the Cardinals just lost JJ Watt. They lost Chandler Jones. Uh, they have no pass rush. They have no defense. And so will Anderson jr. Feels like a great kind of fit there. Um, and who did they just uh, pick up as head coach? Jonathan Gannon, um, a guy that has had some some real talent out there with the Eagles, obviously at, at edge. Um, one of those guys was Hassan Reddick, ironically, uh, coming from the Cardinals. <laughs> so I, I really like Will Anderson uh, Jr. there, pick three. And I think the way that I'm looking to potentially capitalize on this is seeing where his uh, his pick number comes out. You know, will people kind of forget about him? Will it maybe come at you know? four and a half or something like that and opportunity to, to jump down. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Four and a half. Like you said, if that, if that spread comes out, um, I would take the under in a heartbeat. So it probably won't be four and a half. <laughs> I guess not. What do you think? Arjun? <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm on board with it. I do think there is some, I think there should be some discussion if it's car, if it's Carter and Anderson on the board, just because the Cardinals, I think will have a need at, um, I guess it's like detackle uh, when the draft comes around. I, I, at least like when I was doing my predictions for our article, um, I was projecting Zach Allen, who is uh, the Cardinals like 
a three, four DN. So he's lining up in like the B gaps or like B plus gap or whatever it's called. Um, and like, I'm projecting him to leave Arizona. So they're going to have a need for like an interior pass mm-hmm. rusher. And, you know, I think Jalen Carter could fill that like Javon Hargrave role um, that Javon Hargrave held in Philadelphia, where he's not lining up as a nose because they have Lakey Fotu to kind of fill that role, but he is lining up as that Javon Hargrave or like Fletcher Cox type player. So I do think that warrants a discussion. The Cardinals also have Marcus Golden, Amajai Sanders, Dennis Gardick, Cameron Thomas, all under contract for next year. So they have some edge depth where I don't think it's a lock that they could go Anderson, but I do think that I do think that the Cardinals would favor edge rushers a little bit higher than D tackles. And I think, um, you know, that, that it could be a discussion, but I do lean with you that Anderson would probably be the pick if both of them are on the board. That's a great point. I was going to jump in after George, like Bama played Will Anderson at four. eye a bunch, like they, they put him on the inside. And like you said, I mean, Zach Allen playing kind of like a five tech and, and yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of a thought, but I, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying for sure. I just feel like, uh, uh, Gannon's going to want just like that blue chip, just like, mm-hmm. you know, pure edge rushing pass rusher, but I think they could go either way. Yeah. It's interesting. Javon Hargrave also free agent. <laughs> um, yeah. I, you know, it would be very interesting. I don't think you look at the Cardinals, the Cardinals are going to, whether they look at the odds or not, probably realize pretty quickly, Hey, our team sucks. Uh, they have, you know, the, the longest odds win the Super Bowl this year. And yet, unlike the Texans have uh, a quarterback who they should be competitive with, and so I do think they go out and they spend some money here and, you know, try to kind of put together a, a competitive team. And I think that means going, I could see them winning free agency this year, if that makes sense, um, which is a, a good reason to fade a team. Um, any of these props that stick out to you guys? Uh, we've talked about these a few times, but obviously things change in terms of what we're hearing. Um, Arjun, Brad, anything that sticks out to you? I know we joke about it a lot, but I do think like Zay Flowers at 23 to one does deserve some consideration. He's 23 to one on FanDuel. He's 15 to one on DraftKings. So there is a little bit of a price discrepancy there. Um, and it just sounds like a lot of people do like Zay Flowers as a receiver. He got a lot of hype during the season. And I've seen, you know, a lot of draft people kind of say like they really like him as a player. I mean, um, he he does he is a little bit on the smaller side, so that could obviously scare people off. Um, he kind of didn't, he didn't participate in the shrine or senior bowl. He had like one practice in the shrine bowl, but that's it. And like, you know, that might raise some concerns, but I think overall he really boosted his stock. I know it wasn't against the greatest competition, but a lot of people really seem to like him. And I think he, you know, the price should be probably closer to like 10 to one. And I think could keep rising as the draft, uh, as draft season goes on. We've talked about a bunch of these. There's more that needs to come out. Obviously, the markets are very thin so far. Um, we, we touched on this, I believe, a little bit. But if you start to, I think you wait for this one, maybe wait for the over-under as well. But there, there is a scenario when you go through mock drafts, like George mentioned, you go through the MBS and you kind of play through things in your mind. If the Colts don't feel they need to jump the Texans for a quarterback, the Bears are kind of in a really tough spot where like Mm -hmm. trying to trade down is going to be a challenge for them because that Arizona, like I think Arizona wants to take Carter or Anderson, but like you said, I think they're one of the worst rosters in the NFL. I don't think Keller Murray is going to play next year. And I think we see from them with a new defensive head coach, Hey, maybe we trade down and take 10 defensive players like Carolina did a couple of years ago and just try to fix that side of the ball before Kyler comes back. Um, and so long answer short, Jalen Carter at 650 to one or plus 650, six and a half to one to go first overall. You're basically just betting on a trade not happening. 
Um, like I said, maybe better ways to play it, but I think it's the best value right now um, it, for the number one overall pick. I agree. That's the one I was going to call out. Like I, it, you think about the way when you think about it in terms of a trade, as you just outlined there, and you go through the machinations for how that happens, it all of a sudden becomes a little bit harder to kind of construct. Um, and you then look at the the uh, first quarterback drafted props. And I think here is where you start to look at it and you go, okay, Bryce Young is, is minus 200. That's not quite locks. You know, that's not a lock. And what I think it speaks to is just maybe a little bit of lukewarmness towards this draft class, right? And a team looking at this going, am I really going to trade up to draft a guy that the league isn't, you know, all clamoring for, you know, I mean, that, that ultimately I think is going to be the way that teams think about it. So I, I like it too. And I want it just for the chaos that it would then kind of create. Uh, it'd be fun to talk about. I do wonder um, also just on real quick on the Bryce young thing, uh, everyone, Jim Irsay coming out and talking about the kid at Alabama and saying how good he is. Jim Irsay is not <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I think that was him trying to play a mind game, like trying mm-hmm. to be oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, he's just too transparent. So like, I, I yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Th- pe- people thought that Jim Irsay was being an idiot. Being, he was being an idiot because he was trying to be slick and exactly. clearly not exactly. being slick. Like he's just smart enough to try to be slick. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, exactly. Right. Brad, I do have, I do have a question about Carter. Um, I I'm kind of with you that I think he's probably the best player on the board. If the bears don't trade back and stick with fields and take a non quarterback at one, but seeing that this is like probably the strongest interior defensive line class we've seen in a while, drawn Payne, Hargrave, Dalvin Tomlinson, Draymond Jones, Zach Allen, just to name a few, we can probably assume that the bears are going to go out and get one of these guys. You know, they have a ton of money. They're going to probably spend for a top of the line guy, whether it is Jerron Payne or Javon Hargrave. If they do make that move, do you think that takes Carter off the board? Because they also have Justin Jones, who they signed to like a mid-tier deal last year. Um, so do you think if they go after a top-of-the-line guy in the interior D-line, does that take Carter off the board? So it's a great question, and I do think we should now pencil it in like a post-first couple days of free agency, like revisiting draft props yeah. really quickly. Um, on that point, though, I think Justin Jones was 115th out of 120 interior defenders for our <laughs> okay. grading, and I think the, uh, the player opposite him on our starting lineup was like 119th out of 120. So they already went ahead and cut Al-Kadin Muhammad, their edge yeah. defender, who also was probably in the in the triple digits. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think it's going to – but hey, look, if they get pain, you know, he is kind of similar to Carter where he's, you know, kind of a one-tech nose but can play some three-tech, has played a little bit more the last couple of years. Like they're very similar players. But the, the reason why I love that one, A, you should look at coaches, the head coach, first of all, Yes, yeah. we fall in love with GMs. Head coaches mm-hmm. are influencing picks a ton. And then secondly, the Bears have literally said over and over again, the most important position on this defense is three tech on the interior. Like they've just, they've just been very transparent about that. So, but it's, it's a great question. If they sign pain, maybe there's value on a Will Anderson bet. A couple of things here. I, so I, that's where I was going is the Will Anderson bet. He's 750 to one right now to be first overall. It's interesting. And this is one of the things that you get in the uh, PFF NFL draft guide, which uh, is a great resource and you can see where players line up, uh, which is really awesome. That's not something you're going to find out there. Um, and uh, by the way, it's just the first um, iteration of this. You get a, we, we re up and, and uh, uh, adjust as we get combine information, as we learn more about these players. Um, so not only are you getting a great deal now when you get the 
uh, the NFL draft guide, but there's a lot more to come throughout draft season. We're going to add more data, um, more analysis, obviously all the measurable stuff. Um, but it is really interesting. I mean, you think about uh, Everflus, yes. And um, in Indy, they traded for DeForest Buckner, right? They valued him at a top, was it uh, 13th? 13th overall 13th. pick for your guy, Javon Kimmel. And Kimmel-Long. Ryan Pace, yeah. Uh, and Ryan Pace, I mean, you know, comes from Kansas City where they had Chris Jones. So, like, they're going to value the interior. That would just be something, guys, like, I would just be ready the second if they were to, you know, go after, if they go signed Ron Payne, my first thing to do would be to go bet Will mm-hmm. Anderson. I think it's a good point. Yeah, no, it's a good call, Arjun George. I agree. They need, yeah. they need help there too. <laughs> That's smart. All right, let's talk a little, uh, it's off season. So we're all degenerate gamblers to a certain extent. Um, I consider myself like at least somewhat uh, decent when it comes to NFL because we work in this space and like we study the crap out of it. Um, I am definitely nowhere near that in terms of my NFL offseason betting, but that ain't going to stop me. So uh, we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about what we bet uh, in the offseason. You guys are both new to the podcast in terms of the offseason. So quick reminder, you're about to get a lot of F1 talk from me <laughs> over the course of the next uh, next few months. So I won't do it here. That is one of the things that I do bet. And I'll talk about the people that I follow who there's a lot of great publicly available analysis on this. Uh, it's not like I just go out there with only vibes. There are certainly vibes involved, but um, you can bet what I look for. And I'm interested in your guys' opinion here. When I'm not super sharp on something, I look for people that are, and I use that information, right? So um, F1 is one of those things where there's a ton of publicly available information. There's a lot of people who are doing stuff with it. Um, and so you can actually make some, uh, you know, some pretty uh, sound bets in that space. Uh, let me start with you, Arjun, your NFL offseason betting portfolio. What does it look like? Yeah. So um, I'm sure division futures will come out soon within the next couple of weeks. Right. I think um, like Brad talked about on the last podcast, like getting ahead of those betting teams that have a lot of offseason resources is usually a smart bet. Um, so we'll probably place a couple of division futures before free agency opens, but when it comes to like the actual off season, it's mainly, I, I, I bet NBA like almost every day, um, you know, put in some research there every day. Um, Eric and Ben Brown got me into WNBA betting. That, that was what I was doing the whole summer when I was in California. Cause I hate baseball. So I don't really bet on baseball at all. Um, so I was betting WNBA have a model for that. So that's, you know, part of the portfolio. And then. Um, I didn't really get into F1. I kind of want to. And, you know, I, I do follow Sam Hoppin. And I think, you know, I, I'll look at his simulations and stuff. Also text you a couple of times, George. But definitely want to add that to my portfolio. But outside of football is really just basketball for me because that's, I guess, the sport I know uh, best outside of football. Sam Hoppin is a is a great follow. He runs a simulation for um, F1. Usually just I use one of the people I was going to shout out. One of the things that I do is I check before I place my bets, actually, I kind of write them down, go through my own. So I sort of guess the lines like we do on the show and then do some research. And I always look at his simulations. And go, oh, OK, I liked, you know, Lewis here and, and he liked him as well. Um, real quick, Arjun, your NBA betting, what sorts of like, do you have a model for that? Are there different models that you look at that we can check out? Yeah, I mean, I have my own uh, like model that I use to, to bet totals. Um, I don't place a ton of totals cause 
Um, I kind of, my model's like a little bit new. I didn't really have a lot of time to like back test and like rework it, but it, it's been doing okay um, in terms of totals. I do bet a lot of player props. That's something that like I, I research a lot. I have some people that I follow that post some stuff that I'll, I'll use. Um, if you want to, if people are interested, I have a bet stamp account. It's Arjun Men in 10. So you can follow me there. I've been a little bit riding hot. So I, I think I will take a little bit of a break after all-star break, just because of uh, players going to Mexico after the all-star game and, you know, maybe not being in the right frame of mind, but yeah, it's, it's mo mostly player props, some totals here and there. And then, um, yeah. And then WNBA once the NBA season is over. We need some heat check, some true heat check bets from you, Arjun. That's that's what we're looking for. Um, to, to jump in, so I, I think we all agree on baseball. I think it's impossible to bet. I know people say it's like can be the easiest to bet if you have a strong model. I don't know. I don't know those people are, but I, I've never had similar experience. Um, I'm a huge golf better, and I honestly think the the tournaments, not the majors, there is still so much value there and opportunity there. Um, in particular, I do like placing a couple. Like I'll bet if you look at the full board of futures to win the entire tournament, I'll I'll take a couple in different tiers, kind of like a Calcutta, but you know, a couple long shots, couple, you know, shorter odds players. And I think an underrated too is you can bet after each day. And the odds don't shorten as much as you'd think um, based on a player's form, how they're looking, how they're playing on the course, all those things. And if you have a couple of good early bets, you can hedge and and it kind of, you know, because of the nature of the odds, um, it, it works out fairly well. But the big thing with the head-to-heads and other bets is. You can just find out how players play on certain courses. Does the course call for good driving off the tee distance wise, accuracy wise, the players championship is the next big tournament, the fifth major. Um, it is not a course that requires you to drive long. You need to be accurate off the tee and hit the fairway, like yeah. things like that. You can just dive into that. You can find so much golf data. And I just don't think the markets are very sharp in a lot of different areas. Um, and then also form kind of like soccer. They talk about form and how the players are playing. Like all those things matter you know, to a degree, how's the guy looking? And also like, if you do watch golf at all, like you can see some tendencies, some torques. I'm not betting Jordan Spieth at any, any point in the near future. The guy looks rattled right now on the course. Um, like there's just a lot of things you can pick up along the way, but I would say go, go to a tournament, look at the layout of the course. What is the distance? Is it a more of a cutters course? A guy who plays left to right. Is it more of a guy who hits big draws? All these things. Is it, you know, does green to T matter? Does, does fairway, um, you know, approach shots matter? Yada, yada, yada. And it's just, I, I think it's just still kind of an untapped market again in the non-majors and the majors. I think the, the markets are fairly sharp, but if you dig into the, the other tournaments around it, I think you can find a lot of value. The, a couple of things on that. There is a lot of uh, golf data that's publicly available, which you can go check out. Uh, I think it's data golf. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Yep. And um, you can look up like simple things like like strokes gained um, on different components of uh, players' games. And the thing that I use uh, with that is there's uh, some research um, that has been done, and I'm blanking. I had it at the tip of my tongue. I'm blanking who I read this from. Um, but different parts are more stable than others. So putting is notoriously unstable. You think about putting as like the play under pressure, you know, like Nick Foles just winging it out to Alshon Jeffrey as he gets speared in the chest. That kind of putting is just like, you know, you get hot. Now, certainly guys can get the yips, but the parts of the game that are a lot more stable are things like the tee to green approach, driving. I think driving is the most um uh, is the most stable. The tough thing with driving is, as you just mentioned, on certain courses, it matters. And on certain courses, it doesn't. So you look at something like, like Augusta is a good example where 
like, you know, Tiger was able to just kind of bomb it out there. And there were a couple of actual, uh, a couple of holes in that one that he won a few years ago where he missed, you know, wide right. I want to say it was, was it 12 um, and was able to hit, you know, still had an approach to the green. Those kinds of things matter and you can still get an iron on the ball and and get it up there. Um, I'm just looking at some masters, by the way, Uh, (laughs) Tiger is 36 to one to win the masters. Um, That is insane. Um, (laughs) Uh, just taking a look here at, at some of the guys. So Brooks is 36 to one as well. Uh, Cam Young is 32 to one. I, I like Cam Young uh, quite a bit. I need to do a little more research on this, but he strikes me as a player. He he hits the crap out of the ball, just like tattoos that thing. Now I got a shout out. I hung out with his cousin today. We're big, we're big really? Cam Young people. Yeah, I know. I know okay. Cam Young's family. So this is a Cam Young podcast. <laughs> by, by the way, he has like, he's uh he has an MLB logo like on his hat. Yes, so he's this sponsored is, by the MLB. This is like betting on baseball. There so you go. You that don't counts. Want to bet on baseball, but actually <laughs> bet on baseball, bet on Cam Young. Um, so I think I'll probably put that down. I like that at 32 to 1. I talked about the Max Homa US Open bet uh, again. Now he lost today, kind of crumbled towards the end of uh, the day. Uh, John Rahm, who is right now the favorite, tied with Rory to win the Masters ended up winning. So that probably protects that, that max home opportunity. He has the three lowest scores at LA country club, which is where um, the U S open is being played. Um, So like that one quite a bit. Um, Argent NBA futures. Uh, It is the all-star game today. So it's kind of the the midway point. Are there any futures that you like, or are you sticking just to gain the game? Yeah, no, I have, I have gotten some NBA futures down. Um, as like this season has gone on, I, I do kind of like the Denver Nuggets, uh, you know, just finals outrider to win mm-hmm. the Western Conference. Um, you know, I I am a huge like Jokic fan. I think he should be the MVP again this year. I think part of my uh, kind of like handicap there is their starting lineup is is one of the best in the in the NBA. So um, with him, uh, it's Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and then Jamal Murray. That group has played about 416 minutes together. Um, And in those minutes, they have a a positive or a plus 16.1 net rating, which is extremely high. It's like one of the highest for any starting lineup in the NBA. And as, you know, experienced NBA betters would like, no, when it comes to the playoffs, it's it's about your stars, not your depth. So mm-hmm. while the Nuggets in years past have had great depth, this is the year where I think their starting lineup is one of the best. Um, and I think, you know, once they get to the playoffs, having home court advantage, the number one seed will be huge. And I think what we've seen in years past is home court advantage advantage has gotten bigger in the NBA in the playoffs. So I think that being able to maintain control of the one seat throughout the West will give them a lot of advantages. And I think they are versatile enough, versatile enough to guard uh, the Suns. They've always given trouble to the Warriors when they played them in the regular season and the playoffs, or I don't think they've met in the playoffs, but in the regular season, they've always given them trouble. So I think they have the versatility and the star power in their starting lineup as evidenced by their net rating to really make a run um, if everything goes right uh, and they stay healthy until the playoffs. They're plus 750 on, on FanDuel right now. Celtics plus 280, Bucks plus 430, uh, the Phoenix Suns, my Phoenix Suns, um, <laughs> uh, as I have them as a part of my uh, one of my big championship parlays, are plus 480, and the Denver Nuggets are plus 750. Then it goes the Clippers 12 to 1 and, and the Sixers 14 to 1. Um, how overly juiced are the Suns' odds, in your opinion? Arjun. 
it's tough. I I think I think it's a pro. It's probably a little bit too high, but. I think the Suns the past couple of games have, have really shown their depth. I mean, Josh Okogie was dropped like 20, 23, 24 points against the um, against the Clippers, who have one of the best like wing de- wing defenses in the league. I think like having that depth at at the guard slash forward position is huge. They have guys who've been in playoff runs like Damian Lee, who isn't that great of a player, but he, you know, he can hit some shots when needed, Mm -hmm. but ultimately again, it it just comes down to the stars and having Booker and Durant being able to create shots for their own is, is going to be big when it comes to the playoffs. And I think they uh, should be able to score at will against any team. Uh, Their depth obviously is still an issue, but outside of a couple of guys, but um, I think their stars are, are, compare very well against any other West team. The, the tricky thing for them is that they have two stars in Durant and Chris Paul, who it's like, they could just go down at any moment. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're sitting there, you're up three Oh, in a, in a series, they, you know, run into each other on the way back to the bench and they're built out. Um, Jokic, by the way, is like minus two forty to win the MVP. Um, which is crazy because like Jordan and LeBron never got three straight. Mm-hmm um voters like hate doing that so it'd be interesting uh, are there any dark horses there i was looking at at some of these odds um where are they here so mvp Jokic two minus 240 and six to one Giannis seven to one tatum 18 to one luca 21 to one what if luca went on something so they have Kyrie now take a little bit of the kind of offensive or defense focus away from him if he just goes off rest of the season do you think he could get it he's one jumping if you i also like tatum just if the if the like you said they it's a narrative bet where they want to avoid giving a guy three years in a row and if the celtics win like 65 games they might just like hey it's because the team was so good and they're yeah. just so good in the conference like one of those type of things one i mean one long shot i i kind of like if i was to put a long shot the new orleans pelicans uh 55 to one to win the finals Look, it all comes down to if they can stay healthy, which they just can't. They they started off so well. I think they were like 23 and 10 at some point in the season. And then uh, Ingram goes down, Zahn goes down. Uh, you know, McCollum is is really ha- having to carry the load at eight or he's like over 30 years old. So that's a little bit tough for him. Um, but if if they all get healthy, I think they have the, the star power and the, and the scoring to make a run in the playoffs. Herbert Jones, one of the best defenders in the in the NBA, can match up well against uh, Duran or, or LeBron or Luca, whoever, star, whatever star he has to go up against. So the Pelicans would be a dark horse team if they can get everyone healthy. But Zion already being uh, his injury getting uh, re-injured and having to sit out more weeks past the all-star break, you know, they're they're That's why their odds are 55 to one and not uh, shorter than that. Dude. I'm so glad. I, I'm so glad you said that. Cause if George kicked it to me, that was going to be my answer for the, the finals <laughs> one. Uh, they're, they're actually 60 to one on uh, DraftKings too. I, mm-hmm. I don't hate 25 wow. to one to win the West. You mentioned everything you said. Jose Alvarado is also a great perimeter defender, so they can they can lock down guards, like you said. With Herb Jones, you can, you can lock down you know a, a front court guy that is a you know dominant scorer. They got to get healthy, big if, but yeah, they're deep as well, um, dude. I mean, like you said, Bi and Zion hadn't really even played together, and they were first in the Western Conference. Yeah, um, I like that one. And then just for the Eastern side, uh, the Cavs eleven to one to win the East is a little bit intriguing as well. It's not really a long shot, but longer odds than the Sixers, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, the uh, the Pelicans winning the NBA championship would just be would just be so funny. Um, like the the fact that they gave up Anthony Davis, everyone's like, "Oh man, 
you know what, getting a, the shipping a star out and then uh, the Lakers struggling to do anything, even make the playoffs and the Pelicans end up winning. It'd be amazing. <laughs> um, I think the, uh, the draft is about to happen, which means we're going to, we're going to wrap this up, but let's get out of here on this. The XFL is happening. There are certain sickos here that will bet on it. Um, Arjun, you are one of those sickos. Um, so what is, what is your takeaway from like, you know, most of the XFL week one happening already? Yeah. Um, I, I caught a little bit of the Houston roughnecks game last night. Um, you know, awesome. it, just a little bit, but I mean, Wade Phillips being their defensive coordinator, I think gives them a huge advantage having an, an, an like an NFL defensive coordinator who's called plays at the NFL level for a while, having that experience, having that knowledge of having uh, knowing how to take advantage of bad offensive lines and bad quarterbacks. I mean, they they will be a house, I think. And I think like their defense is going to be one of the best in the XFL. I think the first touchdown that the they let up was should have actually been an interception but carl cheffers somehow called it a touchdown so i i think the houston roughnecks will be in for a good xfl and i think they will probably be a team i'm I find myself betting on throughout the throughout the season yep so we were chatting pre-show about you know i think to a degree we always think of quarterbacks being why these leagues can't be sustained but i also think offensive line play or the lack thereof is a big part of it there's five. It's just one week. Yes. But of the five highest graded offensive linemen, three are Houston Roughnecks and two are St. Louis Battlehawks who couldn't do anything on the offense today until their miraculous comeback win. But I think if you're getting good pass protection, I think AJ McCarron is probably one of the better quarterbacks in this, this crop. And of course, PFF legend, Bruce Bradkowski mm-hmm. making the calls on offense. Um, those are, those are the two teams that I like if they can keep that up, keeping their quarterback on his feet and then making plays behind him. Best way to bet the XFL is not to bet it. But if you do bet it, just don't watch the games. That's the only thing. Go enjoy your life. Uh, That was it for uh, our show. We'll be back on Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out. Go join the PFF Printing Press Discord. Love y'all. Peace. Peace.